Life Uncut podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This episode is recorded on Gadigal land of the Aurora Nation. Welcome back to another episode of Life Uncut. I'm Laura. And I'm Brittany. You're in a rush to start there, Laura. My microphone wasn't even in front of me yet. I was like, <laughs> I was like, girl, give me a second. I have to get out of here. I've got to go get my kids from daycare soon. Oh, well, I'd hate to keep you. Well, I think that, yeah, they'd probably hate that as well. Anyway, this is Ask Uncut. I know that. Our down and dirty, <laughs> spicy, little sexy, saucy number where we do our absolute best to answer all your deep, dark and burning questions. We've got some crackers today, but before we get into that, you know we always talk about something going on in the world. <laughs> well, actually, no, no, no. What I want to talk about first before we get into that is what you just said five minutes ago. Oh, God, what did I just say? <laughs> you I've said so many questionable things in the last five minutes. I was asking Brit how her dating life is going, where it's at, you know, what's been happening. Can you have have you gotten off the lounge, Brittany, in the last week? Have you gone on a date? Um, Because you know that I live my single life vicariously through Brit. And I I said... She doesn't want a date. She just needs a friends with benefits. I said, I... Some... I said, how do people find... This was actually it. I said, question, how do people find... Like a good, solid friends with benefits. Like but a like, good, solid, long, hard friends with, friends with benefits. No, too far. Yeah, because like, I mean, there's a multitude of friends with benefits that you can have. But I was like, where do these people get – because I've got friends that have had like long-term, solid, respectable, loving friends with benefits. Like they really have a connection. Okay, but it's always – it's always tricky. Because someone usually catches the feels. Well, I can't so even ha- get to the point to catch the feelings. Like, yeah, where do, how do you find the person and then lay down the groundwork at the start and say, you know that I like you, I respect you, you're never going to be the person that I end up marrying or being with for the rest of my life, but I want to be with you for the rest of Tonight. now. Yeah, <laughs> until you're done. <laughs> It's a genuine question. I did. <laughs> if anybody else has the answers, please slide into the DMs because, um, yeah, look, Brittany's searching. Well, do you know where it came from? So we get so many questions come in that are related to friends with benefits and the problems that they've had and how long they've been friends with benefits for. And I'm like, holy smokes, where are all these people getting these long-term amazing friends with benefits? Like one girl wrote in a friends with benefits was like, her friends with benefits, she'll come over and he's run her a bath, he's made her dinner, he gives her back massages, like – it's extreme. It is like a beautiful relationship without the strings attached. Okay, but then my question is, is there a possibility in that situation that he's just more invested than she is? Like he probably hasn't been able to verbalise that he has feelings. So he just treats her amazingly, hoping that she's going to one day turn around and be like, hey, I have feelings too. Not well, we'll just, never know. We will never know the answer to that. I, I like just going back on my memories of, uh, of my friends with benefits, the best friends with benefits I ever had is a guy who I dated many years ago. You're about to say his name. <laughs> I was not going to say his name, but okay. Okay. Firstly, here's some, here, no, I'm not going to leave clues because people will figure it out. Leave clues. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bendy up. <laughs> he was on The Bachelor, but not on my season. What? You haven't ever told me this. Yes, I have. I dated a guy who was on The Bachelor 
or bachelorette. Obviously, he wasn't a bachelor. He was on the bachelorette. I am genuinely trying to – I've obviously blocked that out from trauma. That was I, obviously not Matt. And what I, season? You have to give us another hint. Well, I, I'm not giving you a fucking season, <laughs> Brittany. And I used to call him my Wednesday night guy because I would – on a Wednesday night, it wasn't – it was never a weekend relationship. It was never good enough to be a Friday night or a Saturday night. We both just knew on a Wednesday we'd go and get sushi, we'd have some great sex, we had a great time, I would have a sleepover, I'd get up in the morning, I'd go to work and things were great. I am shooketh to the core. For like six months. Okay. Just tell me this. <laughs> Who was his bachelorette? <laughs> that is the same as the season. Anyway, let's get into the next thing well, that I on, wanted no, to talk about. How did it oh, end? We, we don't just, this is like the sex with the leg thing. You don't just drop these bombs and then scurry off. Look, it was, it was, oh God. I think I actually started to get a bit of feelings after, because it was a long time. It was like six months. I think I actually started to get feelings, but in retrospect, I didn't get feelings. I just had nothing else going on in fake, my life. Fake phantom feelings. I call them FFF. Yeah. Fake, no, fake well, phantom after the P. P. <laughs> <laughs> but phonetically, phonetically it's FFF. Yeah, FPF. Yeah, so I didn't really like him when I actually unpacked it. I mean, I do. He's a great guy. I like him as a person, but I didn't actually have romantic feelings for him. But the romantic feelings started to come when I started to realise he didn't have romantic feelings for me either. So I was like, well, why don't you like me? Like, what's wrong with me? Now, <laughs> that is so standard. And then it went to a bit as of As soon as shit. they don't like you, you want to be with them. Not you. I mean, like everyone, generally yeah. speaking. We always want what we, what we can't have. And then the other thing that then happened was my car broke down at his house and he lived quite a fair way away. So then I just left my car there for ages and couldn't be bothered to go and get it because it was broken down. And it stayed there for like a month. And eventually I went and picked my car up and then I hadn't seen him for a month. And then we, we both just agreed it okay, was kind of so done. Is he in Sydney now? Yes. Do you run into him? No. I genuinely don't think we've had this conversation because I am I'm really shook and I cannot for the life of me think of who it could be. Wow. And I don't know how I feel about the fact that you've obviously made a conscious decision to keep this from me, even though you just assume you've told me in the past. Yeah, no, I've told you Jimmy? this before. No, Jesus, no! No, not Jimmy. I'm pretty sure I matched with him on Tinder once. But <laughs> yeah, we both did, remember? <laughs> okay, all right, let's get into what the actual conversation is about. We, I wanted to talk to you about another woman who's been on Tinder. She was very creative. There is a woman in UK. Now her name is Fanny Blom. She's 19 years old. And is her name really Fanny? Fanny Blom. I love that. It's going to be a dating story and her name's Fanny. That's very immature of me. That is really fucking <laughs> immature of me, but that's okay. I'm here for it. So Fanny Blom was on, t- on Tinder and she decided that she would invite all of her Tinder matches, five Tinder matches, out to the same nightclub at the same time. <laughs> for the purpose of what, online speed dating? Yes, she created her own mini speed dating. But what she did is she told them all that it was her birthday and that she was going to be there with a group of friends. So then they, when they arrived, they didn't think it was weird that she was spending time with other people. So she rocked up to the nightclub with a fucking balloon and a party hat. It wasn't she, even her birthday. This is brilliant. It wasn't her birthday. So she says, this is what Fanny had to say about the whole thing. It was easy for them to find me because I had a birthday hat on and it was easy to get free drinks with a birthday hat on too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Fanny, live your best life. I think in total there was only five of them who showed up because I had literally invited so many different Tinder matches. I couldn't be sure because then I had to go back and find their Tinder pictures to try and figure out who was who. But I met five really nice guys that night. One of them was really attractive and I think we're going to go out on a second date. None of them knew that they were there on a multiple date situation. I have so many questions. Okay, 
this is what I do. Think about put yourself in that position, not when you've invited every single online dating match to a dinner. But if I've gone to a party, if I've gone to someone's birthday and I don't know anyone else there, which is what's going to happen with these guys, they've turned up. Don't you start to talk to people and say, hey, how do you, how do you know Fanny? Well, she literally said this throughout the night. Fanny would excuse herself from the group so that she could go and flick through Tinder messages so that she could liaise with other dates who had shown up at the nightclub. So I think she kind of said, like, it's not a date. It's not a one-on-one. I think she was like, hey, I'm at this club with some friends for my birthday. Come to the club. So she made it sound a lot more casual. But really, she was there by herself just going on multiple tinder dates she's a time efficient woman and she said i don't think anyone realized and Britt, this is what i think we need to do for you let's set up a speed dating situation at the royal hotel just for you well, just say just tell everybody that's my birthday yeah, give me your hinge give me your give me your <laughs> actually speaking of that i uh i downloaded a different dating app because now she's on every single one well you're yeah. like not funny too soon it's always too soon yep i'm just really getting out there really how, spreading my wings but how many dating apps are there and are you on I, in all honesty i'm not every, on every single one i'm, I'm now on three Okay, I feel like if you're on three, that you're covering all bases of anyone who is single in this area. Well, I always thought that there'd be different people on different apps. No. That's what. Well, no, there sort of are. So I, I ran out of one. So I went. <laughs> so I went on. I was like, I better download another one. And there've been different people so far. So, and the thing is, when if you guys are online dating, you'll know. If you're not, I'm going to tell you. When you <laughs> when you join up to a dating app. When you're a new profile or a new customer or a new whatever, I think the algorithm shows you to more people and it puts you out there more. So when you're new, it goes bonkers, right? You get you get love hearts and compliments left, right and center. And I say compliments because that's a new thing online now. You can send a compliment, which is I haven't seen that before until I downloaded it this weekend. And also we all know how uncomfortable compliments make you. I'm an awkward person anyway. But I have been getting some compliments, Laura, which is this is pretty shocking I've been getting a lot of compliments that are about the podcast. So coming from male listeners that are writing things like, I also love love or oh, you, yeah. But like, no, my point's not about that. My point's like, are there male, do we genuinely have a bunch of male 30-year-old listeners in the eastern beaches of Sydney? Or do you think that they're sitting at home with their flatmates that are women that are like, oh, I know that podcast, say this. So do you think these people are genuine listeners, these men, or do you reckon? I mean, considering all the things we talk about, period chat. <laughs> Tampons. Going down on your girlfriend. <laughs> I would I would think. No. No. It's coming I'm, from the flatmate. Yeah. And also, not only do I think this subjectively, but because I can actually see the data and see how many men and women listen to this podcast, 2% of our listeners are men. Well, they're, so all, I'm on say, they're all on Bumble. <laughs> that none of those are real listeners. But let's get in though, answering your questions, guys. You have sent in some crackers. We have picked three for today's episode. There is one in particular that I I read it and I, I had feelings and then I felt something else and then it was a lot going on, but I... Were they phantom fake feelings, FFF? No. Fake phantom feelings. FPF. They were real feelings. And I think that we need to talk about this, but from not from the perspective of the question that's been asked. Here we go. Just to make that really confusing. I'm so, yeah, let's hear, let's hear it. <laughs> I went on a date with a guy and things ended up getting a little bit steamy in the car park. All was going good. We ended up going down on each other. However, he ejaculated pretty early on. He also wasn't good at pleasuring me. Now, my big problem is that his penis is small. Should I continue talking to him even though I know that I won't be satisfied in the bedroom? 
Or should I just overlook the fact that he couldn't make me orgasm that time as he has a small penis? Thanks in advance for your help. Additional note, he is a really sweet, caring guy and has the personality of what I am looking for. So did they have sex in the car? Because it makes it makes it sound like she just said they just went down on each other. I think they had sex. Oh, well, I think they tried to have sex and he prematurely ejaculated. Right. Okay. So the question is... But also I think she was turned off by the size of his penis. So maybe she didn't even really give it a crack. She's just assuming that she won't be sexually satisfied because she doesn't find his penis to the aesthetic that she likes. Okay. So my first initial thought is, look... Let's give the guy the benefit of the doubt. You don't have a lot of room to move in a car, in the back of the car. You cannot, use, you cannot use your tricks. You cannot do your usual manoeuvres that you might do where you have an adequate amount of space and time. It's like it's actually a terrible place to have sex. Yeah, it's not like the movies. The movies may always make it look great. I think you need to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. There is no way of knowing by the size of his penis what he is actually like in the bedroom. I am a pretty big advocate of size does not equate to pleasure. If this guy has all these other things going for him and he's amazing and you think he's awesome, that's go for it. Give it another whirl. But if for whatever reason inside you feel turned off by something, then it is hard to recover from that. And that could be that could be anything. Anything could turn you off about someone the way they treat the waiter, whatever. If there's something inside that doesn't feel right, I think it's hard to get over that. But if you are just basing this on the fact that he prematurely ejaculated, I mean, girl, first of all, let's take that as a compliment. You're obviously smoking hot. He got very excited. There's only one way to take that. And that is like, well, you know, my job's done. Look how hot I am. I'm spicy. I am fire. Yeah. Take that. He I think you need to give him another one. He was super turned on. I think you need to give him another world. What do you reckon? I have a lot of feelings about this and I think I kind of want to go down a different path firstly and okay. then come back. I agree with everything you've said. I do think that if you're turned off by something, you can't force yourself or will yourself to have that sexual chemistry or, or connection. Or will yourself. Or will yourself. It's, it's not there. Okay. But my thing is, and, the, and what I really wanted to unpack with this question is, I think that society has told us that it's okay to judge men on their penis size. Like society has told us that only men with big penises can make us satisfied. And a man with a big penis is what every woman wants, you know, and, and we have been consciously and subconsciously conditioned to think that a big penis is better and a small penis is not worth your time. If a man was to talk about a woman's vulva and vagina in the way that we talk about men's penises, we would be fucking outraged. If a guy was to say, oh, I'm not going to date that girl because her labia was so long or her labia was uneven or she'd had two kids so like her vagina was looser, we would be disgusted and repulsed at him. We would be up in arms. We would be furious, you know, but I think that there is for some reason it's more acceptable for women to criticise the size of men's penises. And because so much of a man's manhood is literally tied to their penis, it's such an emasculating conversation. But also what you said, Britt, and I fully wholeheartedly agree with you, penis size is not synonymous with pleasure. I have dated guys with huge penises and they were terrible in bed. And I have dated guys with very small penises and they were very good in bed. And it's because sometimes the guys with the small penises have had to work harder. They do have to. They've had to and they've, they've got more tricks and more things up their oh, sleeve. And you're upside down, you're inside out, you're hanging from the ceiling. But I mean that, you know, I just think like if you're going to write someone off from a sexual experience that you had in a car that probably didn't go to plan, by the sounds of things, you'd been out in a date, maybe you'd had a few drinks as well. There's lots of limiting factors in this situation that would make me think, 
he hasn't performed to his best, regardless of penis size. Well, I just think that exactly that, Laura, but maybe you just don't like him that much because if you were that infatuated and I guess it's early stages, so if you were lusting that much, I don't think that would matter to you that much. This mm. is what I think. So I think maybe there's more going on. If, if you can be like, eh, you know, it's not, it's not for me and maybe it's not for you and that's cool as well, but I think – Definitely give this guy another go. Go on another really nice date because you said he's great. You said they're so nice and loving. Go on another – and don't go into the date thinking about it and worrying about it and wondering about it. Just go and have a really nice time. Have a nice dinner. Have some wines. And then if you feel that way inclined and you want to sleep together at the end of the date, do it. Experience it for what it is. And then after that, I think you can make another decision whether you want to keep seeing someone. But I just – just don't purely make it on the size of their penis. Yeah, and I like what you said there about like not putting so many expectations on it. Like regardless of whether you end up together or you don't end up together, like it's too early days to make those sort of assessments truly. Like it's it's way too early in a relationship and if you do feel inclined to give it another go, then go for it. But I think this kind of goes for everybody and I've been guilty of this in the past as well. It's okay to have a preference. It's okay to have a particular penis that you think is aesthetically pleasing. You know, we've all seen penises where we've been like, that is a beautiful penis. And then we've seen penises where we're like, that's just not the, that's not my jam. It's not what I would normally like. But I think completely judging someone as being a potential partner off their penis is pretty like one dimensional way of looking at a person. And I think like their penis size and what their penis looks like in totality is not who that person is. And it's not what they can provide you sexually. I think like there, as we all know, people have got mouths and hands and all these other parts of their body that they can do wonderful things with. Yeah. It's such a small part of what matters. I don't mean small part. (laughs) That was a fucking, (laughs) for choice of a better word. That was a slip of a tongue. Obviously it is a small part, but it's, it is such a small part of what matters in a relationship. And let me tell you, as someone that has dated all walks of life, it is really the bottom of the list for what you look for in a partner. That's what I think. All right, let's get into question number two. Okay. Question number two. My work friend is an absolutely terrible parker. The other day, she scraped one of our colleagues' cars when she was pulling out of the car park. I saw her do this. She saw me see her do this. Convoluted. Yeah. She messaged me later on and said, please don't say anything. I know you saw what I accidentally did. Now there's been a big all office email go out to every person and the person's whose car it was is absolutely livid and devastated that this has happened and no one left a note. No one's owning up to it, obviously. Should I tell her or do I just stay out of it and pretend I saw nothing? I have a level of guilt. This is tricky. Oh, I don't know how to answer this. All I know how to – come to my <laughs> podcast. I don't know how to answer your fucking question. But this is a tricky one. No, I think this is super tricky because at the end of the day – Like it's not your responsibility to make your friend do what's morally and ethically right. But you have been dragged into this. You have been like, like you're an accomplice to her crime, like literally, not even basically, like literally you're an accomplice to her crime because you've seen it go down. Unwillingly, but. But yeah, you've seen it go down and then you're not being honest. I think it's worth going and speaking to your friend who hit the car, who knows that you saw them hit the car and say, this has gotten out of hand. Like this is actually blown up into a much bigger thing than what you or I thought it was going to be. I feel like you've put me in an incredibly uncomfortable position and I really think that you need to take ownership for this. 
That's where I think you should start. I wouldn't be going and just like telling the other person. And because my issue is, and this is kind of how I approach a lot of stuff in life. And maybe it's not, maybe it's not the best way all the time, but it works for me. I don't like to get involved in drama and in things unless I don't have a choice and unless it is absolutely necessary. I don't really like making my life more dramatic or stressful than what it needs to be. And that whole situation seems very, very stressful. You're going to create a lot of conflict in the workplace. Not, not You're not creating it. It's not your fault, but you're going to be pulled down into it. And I think that so if you're okay with that, then sure, go and be the bigger person, go and tell everyone and be that person who's taking the right and moral high ground. But I don't know if I would have the confidence to do that. Okay, so Laura, (laughs) if you saw, if you guys left the office today and you saw producer Keisha accidentally hit my car, scrape it, and then she drove off and you saw it, what would you do? Would you tell me or would you go to her or picture it like that? Do you know what I would have done? I would have straight away when someone said, hey, you need to keep this secret. I would have said, it's not, uh, keeping your secret is not my responsibility. And I think that that's where you've gone wrong by almost saying, yes, I will keep this secret. And then it going a couple of weeks and waiting for it to get out of hand. That's why the situation has exploded. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I guess maybe this is like, this is my advice for the future If somebody tells you that you need to keep a secret that makes you uncomfortable, say no, because they don't have a right to make you keep a secret. And I really hate it when people say, oh, I'll tell you this, but you can't tell anyone. And then they tell you something and keeping that secret completely goes against your morals or against how you feel about something. So I I think that- Yeah, you're like, just don't tell me. Don't fucking tell me. Like it's, it's actually unfair to expect someone to keep a secret that fundamentally goes against your own personal morals. So I just think in this situation, you have to figure out what, you think what you think is morally right and also what you can live with. And I think every single person in this situation will probably behave differently. There'll be so many people who will say, no, go tell her. And there'll also be people who say, oh, well, I don't want to get involved. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I would probably be just because of my conscience. I wouldn't go run to her and tell her, but I would go to the person that hit the car and I would just say, I really think you need to tell her. Like, think of if this was you, how shitty this is that you have to front up all this money that you might not have because someone didn't have the guts to leave you a note. And I think what you could do in this situation and what you could tell her she could do, maybe she feels bad now, like it's too, I can't come forward now. It's been weeks, you know, or it's been a week. I've lied about it. I can't come forward now. Maybe you can go down the route where you encourage her to just say, look, I'm, I'm so embarrassed by what I did, but I didn't have insurance at the time and I panicked, but I've, I've gone and got insurance now. And if you are happy to, this is so illegal. So, but if you're happy to like pretend <laughs> this, so but if you're happy to pretend this has happened now, like I would love to do that. Maybe you can say that because it is hard when you've, when you haven't come forward with something. Yeah. Also, if you're long- from GIO, please don't leave a one star review. <laughs> I mean, like not that I've ever done that, but I'm just trying to like get this poor girl to admit to something and get her out of a tricky situation. I agree with what you're saying as well, Britt. Like I think that because it's gone on for so long and it's turned into such a bigger situation it's humiliating to admit that you did the wrong thing. Like not only is it embarrassing because you you had the accident, but it's humiliating to say, hey, I'm sorry that I didn't come forward. That was wrong of me. Like that would take such a big person to not only admit fault for having an accident, but to actually admit fault that they didn't share it, you know, that they were trying to be deceitful at the start. And the onus isn't on you as the person who saw it happen. The onus is on the person who banged into the car, the person who was parking, but it's completely up to you. And if you do decide that you want to tell that person, if you do decide that you want to share the information that you know, 
you are not a bad person for doing that and it is not your fault that somebody else decided to act badly and to keep it a secret. Yeah, and I have had someone hit my car in the past and not leave. I've had people leave note. Brilliant. I've had people that have hit it and run and it's it's so upsetting because it's like now I have to front up all this money, all this time, all this effort to get it fixed because someone just didn't have the guts to own up to the right thing. So it is it is a shitty situation and I'm sorry you're in it, but like hopefully it resolves itself and I'm not sure if we were any help at all but we'll keep on trying <laughs> no it's just an interesting one isn't it it's more about a discussion that one as it's a very deep moral discussion well because there is a right and wrong but at the end of the day the person who's written the question in is not in the right or the wrong like no, they haven't done anything fault. wrong yeah that's the big thing all right okay the last question here is about the ick and I fucking love the ick well I don't love it when well, we it don't happens, love the ick but I do love conversations around it all right I have heard you guys mention the ick or the sudden ick towards a partner on the podcast before. It's a feeling that I was not familiar with until six months ago. I was happily in a relationship with my boyfriend for a whole year. We lived together. I guess you would say that we were relatively normal. We had a healthy sex life. We'd have sex a few times a week, spontaneously. You know, you get me. We were in a really good place. Please do not think I am a shallow person, and I do not mean to sound shallow or rude. But for some reason in the past six months, I have just had the serious ick towards my boyfriend. Nothing has changed. He has done nothing wrong. I just cannot bring myself to have sex with him. When he would try and have sex with me, I just don't want to do it. I no longer feel the need, the attraction or the drive. I expressed my feelings towards him and he was understanding. However, it got to a point where we were having sex maybe once every couple of weeks. I still don't enjoy it. We are now 1.5 years into our relationship and I still have this immense feeling of the ick. What do I do? Does this mean that I don't want him as my boyfriend? Pretty much in every other facet of my life, he is perfect. He gets along with my family. I have three brothers and he gets along with all of them. They're all great friends. He's attractive. He has a big friendship group. He's a tradie and he's local to my area. I think she wrote, and he's local. Anyway, um, very important. That you're bo- <laughs> he lives locally, so it's all working out. Um, basically, she's got the ick. ick and she's had the ick for what sounds like a year because she was dating him for six months. Everything was fine. And then, bam, got the ick. Yep. You, I'm diagnosing you. You definitely have a case of the ick. You have chronic ick, girlfriend. Yeah. And the ick is a tricky one. I don't know many people that recover from the ick successfully. Could you do it? For sure. Could it just be a phase? Yes. But is that but is that common? Not so much. Usually the ick is a pretty big switch in the way you feel internally, generally speaking. Usually there's something that has started it. Like there is something that ignites that feeling in you. I don't know what it is for you. It's hard to say, does this mean he's not the one for you? For me personally, I want to have an attraction. I think that if you can't think about kissing your partner or touching them or being romantic with them that's a really big thing for me I'm definitely a physical touch person so I think if you if there's something that is like repulsing you in your relationship it's a pretty big red flag and you did say it's hard there's so many other great things he gets along with my family and my brothers that's brilliant but unfortunately that's not reason enough to stay in a relationship because you'll meet someone else as well if it comes to that point that is friends with your family. But you need to get to the bottom of what is causing your ick. Yeah, I want to say I don't normally get on this podcast and answer these questions with the answer, I don't think you guys should be together anymore. That's a very, very rare answer. I think if anything, Brit and I usually avoid giving the answer of breakup because – well, you want to be on both sides. You want to present two sides of an argument. Yeah, and as I well. don't want to be responsible for a perfectly healthy couple 
breaking up. Like that's not, we love love. We love love. love. We're not here for the breakups. We're here for the makeups. Okay. But you cannot be in a relationship where for an entire year, an entire year, the thought of being sexually intimate with your partner disgusts you and you force yourself to do it anyway. Repeat that for me. Like nobody, I mean, there are definitely going to be times where you're not feeling it, where you kind of, you know, you know that when you actually get into doing it, you're going to enjoy it, but you can't be bothered because you're tired, whatever. Plenty of those moments are going to happen throughout relationships, but a consistent feeling of repulsion towards being intimate with your partner for an entire year is not healthy. And I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that that's something that you should keep on working at or keep trying to resolve because it sounds like you have been working at it and you have tried to resolve it. The other part of this, and I think it's something that we often, especially when we're dating someone who on paper, they're everything that we're supposed to want. It's okay to not be with someone who ticks every single box. It's okay to walk away from a relationship where you think, fuck, they're perfect, but I just wish I felt differently. Do you know what I mean? It's okay because sometimes there is a reasons or there's something that we can't tangibly put into words or we can't grasp that there's one specific reason why we feel the way that we feel. But if you have this overwhelming feeling that your relationship isn't right, you've felt that for over a year, Nothing that you do, I think, is going to change that. And you can't just then go and grasp at straws and tiny little reasons to hold on to for why the relationship could work. So, like, you know, the family thing. And if the time comes and you meet someone else, I'm sure they're going to get along with your family too. What the most important thing is is what's happening with you two privately at home, inside. And I don't mean inside the home, I mean inside of you, how you feel about your partner. And it's so normal to like be in long-term relationships and you want to have sex less. That's normal because, you know, you get tired, you get busy, you get used to each other. That all-consuming sexual chemistry that sometimes happens at the start of the relationship, it's normal for that to taper. But what's not normal is to have a level of repulsion and revulsion for your partner. And I think also with the ick, like something that, I mean, Britt and I have done a lot of research into the ick, more so than what any normal person should ever do into a dating phenomena, right? But the ick is something that is very much based on our intuition. It's based on our internal feelings. And sometimes those feelings are very guttural and you can't necessarily pinpoint why. But your intuition is essentially your internal warning system telling you that there's something about the situation that you don't like. And I'm not saying that in any way that there's something wrong with him as a person, but that internal warning system could just be this isn't the person for you, you know, like maybe they do something which is makes you feel like like maybe he doesn't have great personal hygiene. Maybe there's something about the way he lives his life that on a very day-to-day level, you're like, oh, it's like yuck. You know, there's something else there, but you just can't quite put it into words or figure out what that is. There's so many reasons why the ick happens, but when it does happen, it is possible to get over it but not if it's made a place in your relationship for over a year. Like if it is stuck around and you have had the ick for longer than you didn't, I think that's when you really need to unpack why you're staying. Can you get over the ick and move past it? Yes, you can. You 100% can. If it hasn't gone on for too long and if you can pinpoint what it is and then if you can have an open discussion about it and move forward. Like Laura just said, maybe it's a hygiene thing. Sometimes, and when it happened to me, I didn't have a reason. I couldn't pinpoint it. It was just a whole feeling that I got and I didn't know why. And for that reason, I was never going to get past it. But some people can. But generally speaking, psychologists say that if you have been experiencing the ick for quite a significant amount of time, 
then it is probably better that you break up because that is not something healthy to have in a relationship. There is a relationship psychologist named Haviz who says this, and I found this quote really interesting on the ick. And she said, the ick is a gut reaction and you should always trust your gut. You can know you want to have a relationship. You can know that you like their qualities, but you can also accept that you just don't feel that way about them. It depends on whether the behaviors that irate you or that you feel disgusted by are negotiable and whether they can change in them. So like, for example, whether you can get over the fact that you're disgusted whenever you try and have sex with them. It's better to accept sooner rather than later that the relationship will not work in order to move on. And I think that that kind of sums it all up. Like if sex and being sexually compatible with your partner is important to you. It's important to so many people. If it's something that's really important to you and having sex is something great sex where you feel connected and loved and into it and passionate and all of those things that you feel when you have good sex with someone who you're deeply in love with and don't have the ick for, if that's important to you, then I think that that is your answer. If it's not important to you and sex is not something that you care about and you're quite happy to park it and not have sex, then I think, yeah, sure, there's plenty of ways that you could work on this relationship. But at the end of the day... Well, having said that, Laura, before you go it's on... It's been a year. No, but having said that, it has to also not be important for your partner. It True. just can't be important. It can't not just be important for you when you're like, well, it's not important for me, so I'll get through it. If your partner, if it's really important to them and they want to be having sex all the time and they want to be passionately kissing you and you can't bring yourself to do it, then it's also not going to work. I 100% agree. It's because it's so common and you, and sometimes you just can't put your finger on why and that's why it's so intriguing. There is a great thread. If you're part of the Facebook group, well, if you're not, go and join Life Uncut Discussion Group. But if you are part of the Facebook group, go and search for the ick in the discussion group. There is an awesome thread from a couple of weeks back. Now, I won't tell you why, but I was doing my research on the ick because we have a very special little project coming out someday soon. And <laughs> I put my feelers out there and so many of you, there was hundreds and hundreds of women and men who wrote on that thread saying the different things that had given them the ick in their relationships. Some of them are fucking hilarious and some of them are absolutely humiliating. So it's the full spectrum. Well, that's the thing. It doesn't even have to be a huge thing. I remember once, okay, I can give you one example of something that set the ick off for me in a relationship a very, very long time ago. He farted. That was all it was. He was a constant farter. It wasn't just one-off. Like he had a gas problem. He you had- would never be able to date Matty J. I'm so glad he wasn't your bachelor. But also, well, I mean, I hope you're glad for more reasons than that, Laura. Could you imagine if we had been on the same season and we were competing for the same guy? Oh, I reckon we would still be friends. Yeah, but who would have ended I would up inv- with him? I would invite you to our wedding. <laughs> And I would have been like, haha, I made out with your husband. Yeah, I'm joking. <laughs> no, but like, oh my God, we're so cool. Well, we've, I reckon we would have been friends because we're actually both not that competitive in that sense. Both too lazy. We would have yeah, been like, like you have him. No, you have him. Pick someone else, Manny J. We've got each other. But um, no, I think that for this, it was like he kept farting. He had really bad gas, but it was constant and it was the smell. It wasn't a normal fart. The smell was so bad. And I remember one day he just did it to the point where I, we were in a king single bed. That was, I remember it. We were staying somewhere that didn't even have a double bed. So it was, I couldn't even roll to the other side of the bed. And that was it. The set that is set it off. And then I just couldn't even touch him. I couldn't look him the same. And I was like, this is over. I was like, I cannot be. And like, I, I know you guys are out there thinking now, probably like, I can't believe you break up with someone over that. I didn't break up over that, but that was the start of the ick. And then once you feel the ick, everything else that they do gives you the ick. And that's why the ick is such a dangerous thing because it's not usually one thing. It starts as one thing and it It snowballs down the hill like a big giant snowball in the middle of winter. Like a big icky snowball. 
Could be geeky as no one. <laughs> anyway, that's it. Guys, keep your questions coming in for Ask Uncut. If you guys have a question for next week's Ask Uncut or for the one that we do on the radio, just keep it slightly more PG or G-rated for radio for little ears, you can write in, just slide into our DMs at Life Uncut Podcast to Instagram. Just write Ask Uncut at the top. Send us your juicy, saucy, sexy question and you will go in the mix for next week. And it's the same with your accidentally unfiltered and your confessionals or anything else that has happened to you that you think we should know about. And if you haven't had enough of us by listening to Tuesday, episode and this episode this week we do also have another entirely different podcast it is called hooked hitched and hung up and every wednesday we're dropping new episodes on that where we are revisiting some of the spiciest most wild outrageous love relationships of the past just Celebrity. intriguing relationships too just those relationships that captured you over the time and you're not really sure where went down but you want to know that's what this is well i mean it's kind of celebrity relationships but it's kind of not celebrity because it's people like bill clinton and monica Lewinsky who were like very famous but not really celebrities infamous infamous that's the word i was looking for great glad that i had you here but anyway guys that is it from us and you know the drill don't forget to tell your mom tell your dad tell your dog tell your friends and share the love because we We love love. why did you hesitate then (laughs) i forgot we were doing it together (laughs) 